insert additional coin. It's Cakesy Lee. You honor me with your presence. Crispy Lee. How can one so tiny hurt so much? Brad Ziegler. He's usually stronger than the average and has a friendly attitude. It's sports unsealed. We will not back down. Game on, everybody. It is Sports Unsealed. Jake Seeley, Chris Meaney, and Brad Ziegler is back. Yes, uh, one day without him. It was a fun day. It was an aggravating day. Chris knows that before the show. But not because Brad wasn't here. It was just uh, technology is the worst sometimes. But let's just jump right into it. Because speaking of the worst, there's nothing worse right now than trying to figure out what's going on with Melvin Gordon. Yes, uh, this is potentially looking at... Another Le'Veon Bell situation, which uh, you guys both know, because this is the first time we've talked about this. If anybody wants to go back, we've already broached the subject, but I'm starting to feel less as optimistic as I was at the time because I said, ah, this, they're going to work it out. This doesn't feel like the same. He doesn't have the same standing as Le'Veon Bell did, the same situation as Le'Veon Bell did. And uh, I saw Brad, I saw you were on Twitter. Look, for out there, I know you were in the discussion. I'm not saying this to come after you. I'm saying this if anybody trying to discuss it, look, Nobody knows. Uh, nobody. I don't care if you work it. Nobody knows what the real rule is. If he's going to be eligible for free agency, if he sits out a year, if they can slap the franchise. Nobody knows because I say nobody knows because nobody told us about Le'Veon Bell being able to sit out a year and still play until week ten. Like they, everybody was just like, "Oh, it's not going to matter." And then all of a sudden, we got to like week eight or ten, and everybody was like, "Oh no, yeah, he can sit out." Where were you guys at the beginning of the season? So that's why I say nobody knows. But you're drafting today, Chris. I, I, I again last week I was like you know what I'll take him at the turn in the first round and I did I took him as the first pick in the second round I could take him at the f- last pick of the first round I did it as the first and the second just as a talking point either way I was okay there I gotta tell you if I'm drafting as a today now I'm starting to think uh, maybe even third round because we have the added news of Justin Jackson getting talked up by the team yeah and I'm a Justin Jackson fan <laughs> at least I was last season when I, I was impressed with some of his games I think there was that that Sunday nighter against the Steelers, you know, when Austin Eckler, everyone was pumping Austin Eckler's tires, and, you know, he just can't run between the tackles. He's just not that type of back. So even if there's no Gordon, I don't expect Eckler to be that guy to get 10 to 12 carries. Like, yeah, he might touch the ball 10 to 12 times. Maybe maybe those are all catches. But Jackson is is more of that guy. Maybe you can give him 10 to 15 carries. I'm with you. I probably won't touch him. Like, I, I just don't want to take that risk in the first round. Like, I like Melvin Gordon. He's great. I mean, ever since – after that first year, get rid of that first year. I mean, he's basically been close to a touchdown per game. He can catch it at the backfield. The offense is phenomenal. They, they, they give him the ball a ton, but I just don't want to take that risk at the end of the first or in the second. I just don't want to do it. And maybe that's because so I was burned by Le'Veon Bell last year. And if you take that, if you have that risk and that, and that just backfires in your face in the a first round pick, like, that's hard to recover. You can't lose your draft in the first round, but it certainly doesn't help. So I'm, I'm off. I'm just going to completely avoid Melvin Gordon right now. There's no way he's you're going to be able to get him in the third. If he's sitting there in the third, that's a risk I'm willing to take. But I'm not going to take it end of the first or early second. Just I'm not going to do it. Yeah, I I agree with that. And I, I I am the other way on Justin Jackson. I don't think he's big enough to handle an every down load. He's only 190 pounds. And um, that's, I mean, it may be for a year, I guess, theoretically. But um, that's Philip Lindsay, basically. And so I don't know that that the Broncos see Philip Lindsay you know, doing that on, on every down basis this season. They're definitely talking about getting Royce Freeman more involved. Uh, I think you're going to see more of a 50-50 split with these guys. I, I, I don't think Eckler is a guy who can handle 
you know, handle that too. But he's he's also bigger than Justin Jackson. So um, if anybody's going to do it, I think he would have a, at least a better chance. Um, that being said, I don't think either one of them are are that kind of guy. And um, this is a mess. Like that, I I think, and the difference. Um, I I tried to do quite a bit of research on this. The difference I think between Melvin Gordon and Le'Veon Bell is Melvin Gordon is on a fifth year option, whereas Le'Veon Bell was not a first round pick. He didn't have that option. He had already been tagged once. Um, he was sitting out his second tag year, whereas Gordon hadn't hit that um, hadn't hit that threshold yet. So I think he. If he doesn't play a certain number of games this year, that fifth year option just rolls over to next year and he's in the same boat and then can be tagged, you know, years after that if they if they desire. So um, I don't think he has a whole lot of leverage in this one. And, and the way the Chargers are talking about it, they're like, look, we're not even talking to him. We're just going to focus on the guys who are here because that's who's, you know, who wanted to be part of this team that I, I could see him getting traded in this and, and end up with, a, you know, a, a contract somewhere else. But I mean. Tampa, everybody talks about Tampa. Tampa is the, the oh, ideal scenario baby. for any running back. I mean, whether it's Melvin Gordon, whether it's Duke Johnson, all these guys wanting trades. If someone, well, one of these guys goes to catch. Tampa and becomes the guy in that offense, in a Bruce Arians offense where, you know, and they both, yeah, they both can receive out of the backfield. It could be a huge fantasy season for either one of those guys if they take that role. Yeah, I think that's the biggest here. The issue here, though, is the fact that nobody knows. Uh, and I, the research sounds sound, sound sound, sound sound. That, what you put together, and it seems to make sense. I just, I, I don't think, I just don't want to make any assumptions for that way to give anybody any hope or any, you know, distrust in how this is going to play out because of that. Is like I said, there wasn't. I know people are going to go back and like, oh yeah, I heard about that. No. Go back, because it's true. You, We talked about this, Chris. We talked about it before. I'm sure, Brad, you saw it too, but we were talking about it last year together with Chris and myself. It's the fact that nobody said Le'Veon Bell was allowed to sit out a year and still get his free agency at la until it was about a week of him yeah, saying, you know late. what, I'm not coming back at all. And yeah. that was the most frustrating part about it is because I remember the conversation we were having, Chris, because I said, if I would have known that, I wouldn't even consider taking him. I like I would have said if knowing he could have sat out a year with and still got his free agency, I would have never even touched him in drafts, let alone the second or third round, fourth round, whatever. But we didn't know that. So I like I like that we have that information, Brad, but I think this is really what one of those situations where there's nothing we can do. This is not in comparison at all of an equitable situation. And when I say this is Tyreek Hill, but I'm saying that I'm comparing it as like these type of situations, whether it's a holdout, whether it's some type of off the field issue, whatever it might be where we don't have the answer and we're guessing just as much as anybody else is. It's your decision. Like, would you take like, look, Chris doesn't want to take him until he makes it to the third round. Is he going to make it to the third round? Probably not. Somebody's still going to roll the dice. If he does, I think we're all on board. I will, Brad, you didn't answer that part. Would you be on board and taking him to the third round or even further? Uh, I'd take him in the third, but I, I wouldn't, I, I literally think there's a really good chance he is traded and, and gets into a situation where um, he, he, you know, it has a new contract and, and, but I, that See, may I not don't. happen that I, I think it might happen, but I don't think it'll happen before the season starts. I think it would be more like, you know, three or four weeks into the season, a running back goes down or what a mess. You know, Tampa decides to pony be. up. Yeah. Like it, that's not what you want from, from a, a, a top five round pick anyway. So I, I honestly like it, it's kind of like girly to me. Like there's just so many questions. I'm just not drafting him. Like, well, yeah, there's upside there. Is, my problem is why I say I don't think they do is because the NFL, we know how their cap space is all the time, how they work. And they've already made so many plans that you've got to find a team and one of those teams. And we keep throwing them out there. Tampa Bay is not one of the teams that can fit Melvin Gordon. Like they just can't. And I doubt 
severely at this point this late in the game that they can adjust their cap enough to get somebody like Melvin Gordon. I think they're one of the least. I think they're down there with the Broncos and the Steelers and stuff like that to be able to fit. Now, if you're talking somebody, which I think the was the Colts and Browns still have like a billion dollars for next year still rolling over, but neither of those teams need them. So I think that's the problem. It's the NFL is figuring out a situation where it happens, and this is why trades don't happen. Which Quick sidebar, by the way. What's your guys' opinion on this? Because this, I brought this up in the comments, and somebody brought up the, – the question was about Dalvin Cook last year and Josh Jacobs this year, when we see teams make other moves at running back position and then draft somebody, and then it's like, well, shouldn't that lean to us telling them, yes, we like the rookie more because we still drafted somebody at the position? And, Brad, I'm sure you'll agree, but this was another one that Chris and I talked about last year, and I kept saying, it's like, look, Davis Murray, back when Dalvin Cook was drafted, was we need to make sure we cover our bases because we can't assume about the draft. And then the Dalvin Cook falls to him. It's like, all right, well, that changed. We got an amazing player. Dalvin Cook is the guy. I say all that real quick as a sidebar, especially for somebody like you, Brad, that's involved with like MLBB, MLBPA and all that type of stuff, is why is the NFL the only one of the big four sports that has it backwards? And is the draft and free agency backwards? Everybody else has the draft, so they know what they have to do to go to free agency. The, the NFL is the only one that does it backwards. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's, it's bizarre because um, they – basically what I feel like is their union has, has folded time after time after time. This last CBA deal for them was atrocious. And the fact that they did a 10 year deal when they were making a lot of different financial changes, um, you, you don't want to do a 10 year deal because you don't know what the ultimate ramifications of this are. You know what you think it might be, but it ends up not that way. And then all of a sudden you're stuck with it for 10 years. That is one of the worst ideas ever. And I, I told, I had a talk with uh, Dustin Colquitt, um, the, who's who's very involved um, from the chief standpoint. I don't know if he's actually their player rep or just an alternate rep or whatever. Probably not. And I told him I was like I was like, man, you can't. Yeah, right. He's a punter. Like <laughs> he only matters in real football. But he he. I told him I was like, you all can't do a ten year deal again because that you don't know the ramifications. Most of the guys who are are signing this deal are not even in the league when the deal is up. And it's it's when the deal expires and a new one rolls over, you you need more shorter term. If anything, football should have like a three year deal, um, which I know would would you know lead to a lot of labor uh, labor issues potentially. But a shorter deal makes way more sense with the the lifespan of a, a, a contract or a, a player's career in football. Uh, you know, outside of quarterbacks and kickers. So um, to me, it, I, I don't know why they do it this way, but they, they have folded so many times. They like for the union to make any gains in football, they will have to sit out regular season games. They will have to miss games. And the problem is most of those players, for whatever reason, they don't do a great job of saving up and, and putting themselves in a position where they can miss games and still be okay. They need that game check. They need to you know, pay the, the car insurance on their 40, you know, luxury automobiles or whatever they have. Like it, they, they collectively were not in a great position. Whereas in baseball, that was one thing that they have emphasized. I mean, th this coming fight, um, the, you know, labor, I, I say fight, we, we always call it a fight. The, the labor talks for the next CBA, they have been, we've been saving up money for the last five years. Like literally since the, the last deal was signed, they said, look, start saving now because next time it's going to be a dog fight. And you know what, if you sign a deal and you've got a five, five year, new five year labor agreement, you've got a lot of extra money in your savings that you can then go and spend, but you're at least prepared in case there's a, a year without the game and, and you know, the football's not in a, the players are not in a position to do that. To extend the sidebar just a little bit more, but 
you're right, it, Jake, and we have had this talk plenty of times. It is backwards. It's whack. It doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. And the the Cook and Latavius Murray is a great example. Brad, is there going to be a work stoppage in baseball? Like, yes or no? Do you do you feel like there will be? No. Okay. All right. I do think it might go down to the deadline, but I don't think. I mean, if there's a work stoppage, I don't. I don't see it lasting into the season. I'll say that it, it might go a little past the deadline if if it's you know contentious, but. There's too much money to be made in spring training for the owners right now. Like I don't see them legitimately I, missing I actually games. Don't think there's, like I, I again, this is could be me thinking too optimistically. I don't think there's a work stoppage in either one. I think, no, I don't think no. there will be in football. Like, I think yeah, so there's too much to. money. I think that I, I think both sides know their issues at this point, and they've been talking about it so much. I I only talked to two other players outside of the the Mike Tomlin side of things, but it was in a discussion where there's a couple of people standing around, and that was broach the subject was broached and it's like they know it's like it's being talked about it's being talked about from all sides and it's it's from the sound of it it's been talked about for at least the past two years if not longer so it's not something that's also oh all right we got to figure this out like i think they all know and that type of thing on on this whole holdout stand front we have trent williams with a similar thing but trent williams is also blaming the team for the handling and for a team that's as injury plagued as it is you can understand and say, you know what, maybe Trent Williams has a point here because he's blaming the injury situation on the Redskins. But just as a holdout, this this has nothing to do with the, like the Melvin Gordon type. Like this, as a question for you guys, like is Darius Geis falling even further down your board with the Trent Williams news? Because Darius Geis, we still haven't seen him on the field. We had the hamstring news, but they sound like he still might show up for in play in training camp this week. We'll have to see, obviously. But the the loss of Trent Williams, which we know how bad this offensive line was at times because it kept losing piece after piece after piece after piece, which is maybe because of the team, it sounds like. Is this question, like, is there just so many questions mounting with the Redskins that, like, forget, actually, I'll, it's a two-part question, Chris. Darius Geis, and, I mean, is there anybody that you're even getting excited about for drafting on this team at this point? No, not really. Um, and the Scott Fishbowl, I have way too many Washington players. It's because nobody wanted them. <laughs> <laughs> like, really, like, nobody wanted them. I ended up going Haskins, and I went Cousins at the end, and then I took, like, Docs. I took some pieces in their offense because, you know, there's just – We can have nope. a competition, Chris. Yeah. A, a, a complete sidebar here. I was in a best <laughs> ball. It's, it's, it's a 17-team because it's eliminator best ball. And the 17th pick, round of 17 teams, or with whatever round it was – uh, I Willie Sneed was still there, and I was like, "Well, you know, Mar- Marquis good, or Marquis Marquis Brown still not healthy, whatever." Yeah, I forgot I already drafted Marquis Brown and Miles Boykin, so go Ravens <laughs> wide receivers. But go ahead. Yeah, go Washington. Uh, big whoops on my end too. But you know, nobody wanted these guys. McLaren, Doxon, like just taking some shots on them. You know, even Jordan Reed, like he's falling down draft boards. I'm not excited about this offense or this team at all. You're right. The offensive line has been brutal for a couple of years, and if they're going to lose Trent Williams, I mean, that's a huge downgrade. No question about it. And you're right. I don't want anything to do with Geis either because there's just way too many question marks. I think, Brad, you and I talked about Geis about three weeks ago when, when Jake was in New York. and Oh, and that was glorious. We were Yeah, we well, <laughs> but we were just back and forth. It's just I felt like we just kept like every five seconds there was a new question, right? There's just way too many question marks surrounding Darius Geis because they brought back Adrian Peterson, because they drafted Bryce Love. They still have Chris Thompson hanging around. The team is not going to score a lot of points anyways. Jake, you just said oh, we haven't seen Geis in a Love? long time. Well, we just brought up all the guys that are it's around. We didn't really, yeah, <laughs> We didn't really bring him up. Enough to yeah, I mean, he's, he's not relevant for this year, but it's just the fact that they drafted him when they have Darius Geis on the roster. Like, if That's they not really why they believe... drafted him. They drafted well, him to be the Chris Thompson replacement. 
That's your yeah. first love is. Yeah, and, in, that, and that's in, fair. In the that's future, fair. sure. But again, there's a lot of guys around there. And this is a team that's not going to score a lot of points. Even with Alex Smith, when they were winning those games last year, before he got hurt, they were hardly, they were just winning like 14 10. Like they weren't we're, scoring well, any points. We haven't got to the AFC East yet. And interestingly enough, and perfectly timing enough, we're going to discuss it after training camp because we're discussing the first week of August. So we will come back to Darius, nice. guys. But. I'm just as a real quick, as uh, I and I'm only I'm not trying to cut you off. I just there's a no. lot we still got to get to for the AFC South today. Uh, Brad, the Trent Williams thing is that going to let's say Darius guys comes. In, this is the quick version hit for you, Brad. Darius guys comes in the training camp, looks 100. percent Does the Trent Williams factor still play in? Uh, not not that much. I mean, it obviously would help if he was there, but this isn't an offense that I see running the ball a whole lot anyways, because I think they're going to suck and they're going to be trailing and it's whoever their pass catching back is, uh, you know, whether it's Chris Thompson or Adrian Peterson can definitely handle, handle some of that. Um, I, I think that back is actually going to have potentially more, more fantasy value, but I, I literally want no part of anybody on this team. The only guy that, that even is even remotely appealing to me in like the last round of a draft is Trey Quinn. Um, just because I feel like a, a slot no, guy. No, 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 in save a, it, save it. And okay. he's dead. All right. That, you asked about Redskins, guys. Major the, so no, 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 no. no, no, no. I, no, no don't, don't put that on me. You didn't I'm listen to the kidding. question. I said quick hit, just the Trent Williams side. Don't, don't, don't try to put that you're expounding on me. Nice try no. there, Brad. I th- I, the biggest thing I think is is he is a veteran, a star on this team that can stand up. They, they've had a problem with the, the medical staff of this team for a long time. There's a lot of distrust between the players and the, the medical staff, and he is – Kind of, I think using his his position on the team to take a stance and say, "Look, these guys suck." They're, he's complaining about a, a, a tumor, a growth in his, on his head that he felt like wasn't diagnosed quickly enough. He had complained about it. They hadn't done anything about it for a long time. By the time they finally did it, they they removed it, and now it it like the scar looks messed up, and so they're having to do multiple surgeries again to to try to uh, make, make this right, make it look, you know, like normal. And I, he, I think he feels like this could have been handled if they had just addressed it whenever he first brought it up to him, you know, in right. addition to, you know, he's upset with his contract. Would we you know what other veteran player isn't that signed a big long-term deal and they're a couple years into it. And all of a sudden they're not the highest paid player anymore. He's like, look, I'm a seven time pro bowler. I want more money. And there, there's just a lot of stuff going on here. And, and so I don't know that this one resolves itself without him getting traded because it, it just seems you just want it, to trade it, everybody. Yeah. Yeah, may as well. I mean, Washington's Washington's not going anywhere right now, and they may as well. This guy's (laughs) probably got the most value. Do you not see like how few (laughs) trades there are in the NFL? I understand that, but do you not understand what teams might give up for an elite left tackle? Like that's a lot different than a running back who they feel like they can replace in the third or fourth round and and still get the same quality. Yeah, Uh, but again, star left tackle is totally different. Yeah, but who's giving up Odell Beckham because it's not the Giants because they're stupid as hell. They already made their trade. We get to laugh at them the week of August fourth because now we're gonna to save that news story which by the way i wanted to laugh about the fact that there's no quarterback competition so that's going to be a little tease to save that for but we got to get back to the fc south because we got to wrap that up today uh, chris or so you just know brad we covered the colts in depth so if you okay. have anything that you want to like throw in at the end or in a random wrap up so you could be like "Ooh, hot take this on the colts or whatever but we pretty much cover them ad nauseum so right. texans wise chris you know, like Deshaun Watson, we know could potentially be the number one quarterback. We know the upside of him. We know the upside of DeAndre. Nobody's that's not the questions. The questions are at running back and the second wide receiver position because at running back it's the Deontay Foreman. Does he finally push Lamar Miller to the side? Is he a hundred percent coming off Achilles that he looked terrible coming back from last year? Which we all know that because the Achilles is very hard to come back from. 
Uh, and then, of course, we'll talk about the wide receivers. But just first, the running back position. Where are you? Where are you on drafting? Are you staying away from Miller? Are you targeting Deontay Foreman? Or is the price on both too high still? Where are you? Uh, I'm not targeting Miller, but I've noticed he's been falling down drafts because it is Lamar Miller, and you know he's he's not that sexy pick, and he has some pretty dead games. And I was pretty impressed with him last season. I mean, there was I think there was four games in a in a six game stretch where he at least hit a hundred yards. He was catching balls out of the backfield. The offense is good. So I, I don't think that he's fully out. Like, Foreman probably will take that step forward, and I am a little bit more interested in him taking that shot on him. It's a little bit cheaper. It's it's an upside pick. There's potential there for a breakout. He did look good before he suffered that Achilles injury. Now, it is tougher running back. We know this. He's a little bit younger. Maybe he can come back. Uh, I, I'd like to see him, honestly, in, in preseason. I don't take a lot of stock in a preseason, but that's one of the guys I want to see on the football field. I want to see how he looks. I want to see him. Uh, with the first-team offense, and I think he's very explosive. But, you know, Miller, if he continues to fall down, it's almost like LaShawn McCoy. Like, LaShawn McCoy may have a new team next week, but it's almost like McCoy when we talked about him is if he continues to fall down the draft board, I mean, I'll just take a shot. I mean, it's like, again, I think he should probably average 15 carries a game. If Foreman comes in, he's probably that guy who's going to take some passes out of the backfield. From well, quick trivia question game for you guys. Chris, where do you think the ADP is right now for Lamar Miller? Uh, I would say like round six. What pick? Yeah. Uh, oh man, what pick? Um, well, I since know. you guessed the round, now you have to oh, guess. Oh, I the got pick. it. Right? <laughs> um, and then Brad agreed with you, so seventy. Uh, Brad. Uh, are you talking like what pick in the sixth round or? Yeah. Oh, oh. six. Oh. Chris six, is over here making me do six. math. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do the six six pick of the sixth round. Seventh pick in the sixth round. You were too deep either way, Chris. Uh, ah. It's this is the third pick. You guys want to okay. guess where Foreman's going? Uh, Foreman tenth is. Round. Yeah, Foreman's probably tenth round. Yeah, ninth eighth pick. Ninth, ninth round. Nine point okay. four the fourth or nine point four the ninth. So there you okay. go. Okay. Yeah. I'm only to see that, and that's not he's ha he hasn't baked in. The, or he's right there. The risk is still baked in, in my opinion, in the ninth round. He hasn't hit the point now where you're buying all the risk. Like if, if Deontay Foreman gets to the seventh round and we're starting to talk about around the Latavius Murrays of the world, which I would rather have Latavius Murray on the Saints than Same. Foreman hoping he gets the lead job, which I still like Foreman. But at that point now, I'm probably not drafting him anymore. Yeah, I think that's Brad? fair. I like Latavius too. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, I'm, I wouldn't even touch him in the eighth round, but ninth round, like – it's you're getting to the point where it's like you're just kind of throwing darts. These are guys you're potentially going to drop it if they, you know, after week one or week two that they, um, if they haven't done anything and, and somebody well, on, on the waiver wire is. real quick because these are the running backs going in the eighth round. So just to say you want to touch them is Jordan Howard's at the turn. I'm I'm taking Foreman. I don't know about you guys, but so uh, Jordan Howard's yeah, going there. Foreman, Royce Freeman, Kareem Hunt, Ronald Jones, Austin Eckler, and Jalen Samuels is all in that range. I, I wouldn't take Kareem Hunt there, but I would take Austin Eckler there for sure. I mean, in the current well, yeah, scenario his, with the Chargers. I mean, you could kind of – well, yeah, you throw his out, but the other names. I mean, I'm taking Foreman pretty much over all of them except for – I'd roll the roll, dice on Ronald Jones despite the fact that we keep getting different news every single day we wake up. Oh, I'll, yeah. I'll tell you, the, the two other guys that I think I would take over Foreman are Jalen Samuels and Damian Harris. I think they both have – Jalen Samuels, just even just as a receiving back – um, it, you know, they're, I think they're going to line him up uh, in the slot some to, to get the ball in his hands. And he showed at the end of last year that if, if Connor goes down, he can be an RB one, um, you know, it, meaning like top 12 running backs. If, if he gets an opportunity as an every down no, back, see, I, I completely 
A hundred thousand million percent disagree with that because I think that was the drafting of Benny Snell, who I don't like. I don't think he's I think he's just Jordan Howard. And Emery says the same thing. Actually, I think Emery's scouting profile said he is Jordan Howard. So I don't think there's a lot of them. But is Jalen Samuels is not equipped or is not his skill is not there for a lead running back. I think that Benny Snell was if Connor goes down, it's Benny Snell. Jalen Samuels stays Jalen Samuels. But, but what is that? Because they don't use a receiving back in Pittsburgh. They never have. They didn't use him as that last year. I, he was basically just Connor's backup. Back. They use the receiving, the lead receiving running back receives enough. Right. But what I'm saying is I, I don't know that Benny Snell is athletically gifted enough to overtake Connor. No, no, no. Yeah, no, 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 no. I'm not or, saying. Or not okay, Connor, to, but to, to be clear, Samuels. Th- 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 to be clear, the saying he's Jordan Howard is the fact that Benny Snell would not be a workhorse all around running back. It would be a complimentary role. It would be the two, like probably even close to a 50-50 split, maybe 55-45. But I'm not drafting Jalen Samuels with the hope that James Conner gets hurt because even if he – the whole point of how I'm breaking this down is, and again, we're not going to agree on everything, is if Jalen Samuels is to have value, his value is, first of all, capped because he's on a split of a complimentary timeshare with Benny Snell if only James Conner gets hurt. So – I'm not drafting a backup like I would draft Latavius Murray or Donald Foreman, where if the person gets hurt, he turns into a workhorse. That's the difference. So I know you're not much of a handcuff guy. So you basically just what I get from you there, like, and I know you're big on Connor. I know you've moved him up your rankings. So if you drafted Connor, you're not gonna, you're not even gonna bother handcuffing with either of the two because no, really I tell people that a, all the time. You yeah, build running back split. depth because if you focus on handcuffs, two things happen: is one is you start to overreach and get your guy because you're worried about everybody else getting them, and then two you probably shortchange your depth anyway because let's, let's just play the numbers game. If you draft your handcuff, best case scenario, you still have one running back. You draft somebody else's handcuff, best case scenario, you got two now. And that's right. the thing. Is like, I'm not, and I'm not saying that's going to work out every single time, but my point being is just build your running back depth. And like Ezekiel Elliott, there's one I got asked in the comments. I'm not drafting either one. No. Is it Mike Weber? I, maybe. I, th- I put my money on Mike Weber. It might not be or whatever. But if he goes down, first of all, they're not going to be anything like Ezekiel Elliott was. And second of all, they're probably splitting their shares behind him. Like, I will draft, if it's any handcuff, I will draft a handcuff who could potentially become a workhorse. Like, you know I like Dexter Williams, but I don't think Jamal Williams would completely go away. Am I drafting either one to handcuff Aaron Jones? Absolutely not. Yeah, I know. But Snell is is basically free. That's kind of why I brought him up. But I don't think there's any really true handcuff in the first few backs anyways. Like, maybe Edmonds, you know, if you're going to take David Johnson, it's an up-tempo offense. I think, yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Well, Latavius Murray. I mean, we know that. Latavius Murray for sure, but yeah, he's he's a little bit different because you you have to Right, because he's already going to be getting touches. I would say Chase Edmonds because even the Giants, I mean, is it going to be Wayne Gallman? Are they still trying to – for everybody out there, it's still hanging around on this team – Oh, now his, his name just went out. Paul Perkins is still there. Yeah, oh and they goodness. signed Rod Smith this offseason, who was each backup Perkins. last year. So, wow. Uh, I feel like Rod Smith is is the the best, at least has the best chance to win the backup job there. Save it All for right, next we week. That. We, yep. we so sidebar there. We, we, got, we, side to, <laughs> we sidebar to a track and then jumped off the track and got <laughs> I think ba- basically I, my feeling is that we're all kind of meh on Foreman. Like we need we we need to see it. Like the price is a little bit too high to take a shot at him. I don't think Lamar Miller's going anywhere. I think he's still going to be a part of this offense. I think they want him to. Like it, from what they've done 
since he's been since his first, since after his first season when he got there, and we all had the not we as in everybody, you know, like I wasn't so hot and some people were, I wasn't the coolest to be like clear. There was people lower on Lamar Miller than I was. I'm not trying to oh, look at me back Pat. I'm just saying like for all the like, Hey, Lamar Miller just needs more touches, get him out of Miami. And then he gets more touches and he's still the same production, yeah. but less efficient. So the more touches actually kind of hurt in a way. What I'm saying is Chris is like, it feels like ever since that season, They've been trying to find a way to put Lamar Miller into the 40-45% complimentary pass catching third down, like the mix where he's not just the pass catcher, but he's that mix of like almost a 50-50 split mix. Yeah, for sure. I and mean, there's just a lot of inconsistencies from his game. You just don't know which games he's going to be fine. I mean, even look at the game log last year, like 22 for 118 for 133, and then he follows it up with 21 yards on 12 carries, and then he goes back to back-to-back games with 100 yards. He had a game in there where he had five catches, eight catches, and then he had three games last year where he didn't even catch a ball. So it's just there's a lot of inconsistencies from him in that offense. But, again, I still think maybe one more decent year out of him. He's not a sexy pick, but in the sixth round, I, I end of the sixth, I don't hate that. Well, yeah, because there's the upside of the six of, like, Foreman just doesn't ever play. Yeah. Or well. Very possible. All right, all right. So hot hot take real quick on the Texans. They've got the second most cap space in all of football. And we're, we're, we're sitting here arguing, like, they don't have a, a great running back. Melvin, <laughs> Melvin Gordon. Gordon. <laughs> Melvin Gordon to the Texans. Calling it Go now. Go play Madden. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Brad, this is just, you're talking. Wide receiver position. Where are you leaning this way? Because we have Will Fuller, big game, touchdown bonanza. Like, anytime he was healthy and healthy with Deshaun Watson, it was almost chalk up and guarantee a touchdown was coming. On the flip side, when he's missed time, we've seen the Kiki QT and how valuable he is at the slot and the options that you have with him in the lineup. Everybody's healthy as of today. Well, actually, DeAndre Hopkins is not. He's yeah, not everybody pup. but Hopkins. Yeah. yeah. So, or not the pup, the other one. So, um, PUI so did Fuller not start on the pup? Because no, you know, he, he avoided a, it. He, he avoided had a, like a it. mid-season yeah. ACL. So that's right. So yeah. that's what I'm saying. Is Fuller and as of today, Kiki Cutie are the ones that are healthy, and it, all the reports are Hopkins is going to be fine. They're just being super sure. careful with the superstar. Yeah. All that being said, three wide receivers out there with Deshaun Watson with this offense. Are you interested in Fuller, or are you interested in QT, or are you interested in both? Uh, I take both, but I I'm gonna say I'm gonna guess that Q, QT's uh, ADP is a little bit lower, and if that's the case, then I'll take the guy who's a little cheaper because I think they're, they're both gonna have. Surprisingly, not as far as you would think, which kind of gives I might have just hinted and give you a little bit of clue. It's a little play of the game again. Where do you think Fuller's ADP is, and where do you think QT's ADP is? Oh, top of the eighth round, bottom of the seventh round on Fuller. Okay, is that and then maybe ninth round on QT. All right, That's Chris. where kind of he's been going in best balls, I think. Uh, yeah, I think Fuller is the seventh round, and I think you nailed it with Fuller. I think uh, QT's a little bit later. I, I would say double-digit rounds, like 10, mid-10. Okay, 10. so I would have thought the same, but Brad wins this one. Ding, ding, ding. Actually, Brad nailed this one because Fuller's at 7-11, so he's getting mm. a Slurpee. 7-11? Uh, so, <laughs> yeah. Uh, she's at, and then QT is at 9-7, tied with Marquez Valdez-Scantling right now. So to your point, like, like I would have expected it to be – like not even just that close. I would have expected Fuller to be the, like the low six, high seven, and then I would expect QT to be in the tenth, like you, Chris. So I was expecting a three to four round difference. So anyway, continue, Brad. No, I was saying, well, with QT, I, he has a lot more value to me in a PPR league because I think he's he's definitely going to be a lot more of a volume guy. Whereas Fuller's a the big play. Like every time they're in the red zone, they either throw it to him or or Hopkins and. 
you know, they both have proven they can make contested catches. That's not QT. QT's not a red zone guy. He's going to, you're going to get catches and yards with him and then the occasional touchdown, whereas Fuller and Hopkins could easily both go double digit touchdowns if, if they're healthy all year. So um, I, I just like, I like everybody in this offense from a, a passing standpoint. They don't really have a tight end of consequence. I know they drafted Cahill Waring, but he's, um, he's, uh, I think hurt. To, yeah. He's, he's a project at for sure. Uh, good athlete, but um, I mean, I don't know who they're who they're starting there at, at tight end now. I'm, I'm taking a fly in like deep leagues and best balls. I'll take a flyer on Jordan Thomas as my third. Okay, tight. yeah. So if if that's the guy you're competing with, I want all three of the receivers. I I and I have no problem drafting and starting multiple receivers in this offense because I think the volume is going to be there for all of them. This is this offense is going to be tremendous, and and those are when you can get those guys. I mean, you got to use a what a, a top five or six pick to get Hopkins, but you, if you can use a seventh rounder to get Fuller, who theoretically could produce similar to Hopkins numbers if he's healthy all season. That's just the biggest question so with him is his health. I hate this crutch argument. You, you guys know this by now. And we, this is a show where we make a point. This is not, you don't ever come out with, he's a best ball player. Like we've joked about it before. He's like, just that's the worst. Like that's basically saying, I don't really want him, but you can find a use for him. Like, but we do on this show, as we were just talking, Brad, and this has nothing to do with about what you were just saying. I'm just saying we do distinguish between playing in best ball and playing in standard leagues because there is a strategy behind the players in drafting a best ball. And you want the Deshaun Jacksons and Will Fullers of the world. So I bring that up to say, like, this, the point is, like, I don't ever want – we know this. This show is never going to say, like, oh, he's a best ball only guy. Like, that's just – whatever. Everybody's a best ball only guy. But I will say this, <laughs> Brad, to that point. I – avoid will fuller unless he is in a best ball league that i'm in that's fair i mean it's it to me is it's not a lot different than amari cooper like you're gonna have huge games and then you're gonna have games where he disappears the the only difference oh you just upset the until like the entire cowboys fan base amari cooper everyone just turned off the show oh yeah so but but you're welcome um they (laughs) to me they're they're extremely similar in their production rate and if that's the case like give me the guy in the the seventh round or whatever um, at the same time, um, I I have actually had a best ball draft where I, I wanted to try this and I want to see what happens at the end of the year. I took all three of these guys. I took Hopkins in the first. I took Fuller in the seventh. I took QT in the, the tenth. Best ball, you could do that. Yeah, I, I took all three of them and, I, and I'm going to see what happens and see like you know what you know. Obviously, you don't want to start all three of those guys in a in a league, but I, I've never done that before. I've never loaded up on every receiver on a team just to see what happens and, so and who knows, maybe point, I'll win. I, I, and, and we're going to come to you here in a second, Chris. But we're sidebarring a sidebar again because I just want to bring it up. That's what we the, do. The yeah, the um, we'll call it sidebar Wednesday. Uh, it's so, uh, <laughs> Brad. To bring up your point about Mari Cooper, and I was jokingly saying he was a different wide receiver. And he was better with the Cowboys, but so he had the 10 catch, 217 touchdown, 200, wow, 217 yard, three touchdown game against the Eagles. The next three games, and then the wild card game, 106 yards against the Seahawks. Those three games in between at Indianapolis, Tampa Bay, at New York Giants, which also, by the way, pretty telling those defenses pass wise. <laughs> Do you want to guess what his top yards were for those three games in between the 217 and the 106? 40. Chris? Yeah, 30. Chris was closer and didn't go over because it was 32. Oh. So, it's, to the yeah, point, just, he was it, better. He wasn't better. <laughs> but, well, no, no, no. He was better, but he was still Amari Cooper better. He was just Amari Cooper, just better Amari Cooper. Yeah, he had he had the two games and, where by the way, he was on steroids compared to what he did in LA. <laughs> 32, 20, and 31 were the Early numbers. Time. He had four, four, and five receptions, so it wasn't like it was one catch. 
<laughs> yeah, he's just not breaking the long ones. Like the that to me is the the difference in his big games. It's very it's very rare that he has the ten catch games. I mean, that might happen like once or twice a year, but he, that, he gets he gets these games where he has like five catches, but he busts one for seventy five yards or something, and all of a sudden that's when you know his his, his numbers inflate a little bit. Chris, yeah. Did did we just call? Did we just make Will Fuller the poor man's Amari Cooper? <laughs> I kind mean, of. or maybe he's just Amari Cooper. <laughs> I mean, yeah, maybe he just he hasn't been able to stay healthy. I think we all know that. Like, what's like? Let's set the over under on ten games. Does he play more than ten games this year? Uh, so I have to put I have to go to Vegas and put money on this. <laughs> well, you, right now you do over under ten games. Will Fuller? I'll take the under. I'll go over. Okay, so we're split. Uh, I will go under. I He's played 10 or fewer the last two years. He's just had significant injuries. At least Amari Cooper's on the football field. At least that guy's he staying healthy. He hasn't played the full season yet. Who? Fuller. Exactly. Yeah, at least Amari Cooper's – I mean, he's on the football field. Brad nailed it. I mean, and you did too. Best ball. I mean, and not everybody plays best ball. And not everyone plays standard leagues, but he's the perfect standard league guy too. I mean, 15.7 yards well, per catch is a top 10 mark in football. Okay, non-PPR, that's right. Standard, I guess, is half point now. Everyone's changing. But non-PPR, Will Fuller is a guy that you should target. But no, you better have a backup. For me, I would rather take another guy in the seventh round, like Sammy Watkins is going to fall there now. Sterling Shepard is a guy that I'd rather take in the seventh. Larry Fitzgerald's getting no respect. I mean, Christian Kirk's in the seventh round, right? Yeah, all of those guys. Marvin Jones, (laughs) Geronimo Allison, absolutely. All of those guys. Like, I just don't want to do it. And for QT... Whether it's the end of the ninth or it's the tenth, I think I'd rather just take my shot with him there. Um, I think there's just a little bit more safety. But Brad also, like, I agree with you. I think there's going to be a lot of offense. You're going to spread the ball around there. They're going to score some points. Uh, I mean, I just, I'd rather take some other guys than Will Fuller. Like, All right, but so he does have 11 touchdowns in 17 games with the Hawks. I know. Very impressive. <laughs> well, he had like eight in the first. What was it six? Oh yeah, just yeah six four. games maybe four, four to six. Well, yeah. Shredded the Chiefs that game. I remember uh, that. It was ridiculous. I would right, love so to see him stay healthy. If you give him 14 games, he could get 1,400 yards. I, he, I, he's Amari Cooper. We just yeah. we made it. Will Fuller yeah. equals Amari Cooper. That's on your yeah. – oh, actually, they don't do those anymore on SATs. They got rid of those because they were too confusing. So, you know, they're, they're good job, youths. So get off my lawn. Uh, let's continue with this division here for the Jaguars, who twofold here, Chris – one is just yesterday I released my guys. This was the ones that it's. This is how the article spurned, which is the worst part about it. So the article started because people were asking, like, oh, you know, do you have this guy? I see you drafting a lot of this guy because I usually post my mocks and stuff like that when we're allowed and they're not, you know, not behind anything. So I put it out there and I was like, you know what? I have a hundred percent. I checked every single team. I own Rykel Armstead and I own Rykel Armstead because Leonard Fournette. Won't stay healthy. We all know that. And if he goes down, as I've compared Armstead to, is Derrick Henry, except he runs like Derrick Henry should. He's just a bowling ball. Like, he's not going to catch the ball, to be clear. That's not going to happen. But he just runs through people. Yesterday, Chris, guess who starts on the injured list? Raquel Armstead. So perfect timing (laughs) with that. Of all the people that were supposed to be hurt, Fournette's out there. Armstead's not. But anyway, bringing up this situation now, uh, were you in on Armstead? Are you still in on Armstead because it's only training camp? Or are you in on Fournette? Because Fournette has become a discount for the upside he can bring, but he's also a volume runner, at least to a degree at this point, who's somebody who, as you can see, can't even get over four yards per carry. But you could blame the team, too. So there's a lot of ways you can go with the running back backfield. Which way are you going? 
yeah, well, it's funny. We were just talking about handcuffs, and we just kind of skipped over Fournette because, you know, he's not a top top 10 pick, at least from running back standpoint. And that, I mean, you were in that athletic mock, one of them at least that we had up on the site, and we, we broke it down. And I think I started Hopkins and Thomas, and then I was sitting there with that decision. What do you do? You want to go Fournette? You want to go Jones, Freeman, Henry? There's some risk there involved. I went Fournette. I, I like where he's going in the third. I like the upside. I do feel like he will be a frustrating running back to own at times. Like, obviously, we know the on-field issues dating all the way back to high school. High school, probably. I'm not even 100% probably. sure, but I know college. Don't put that evil on him without knowing. I know college. Ah, well, his first year of college, <laughs> he was hurt. I'm going to – sorry, Leonard. I, I feel like maybe this is something that's, that's kind of, you know – been a win with you for for a long I'm time but another guy injury high school <laughs> yeah do it <laughs> get back to me but 14 touchdowns in 21 games stack box all the time i think with nick Foles there a definite upgrade over blake bortles maybe they can have some completion maybe you know they'd be able to move the ball a little bit better offensively i think that will help but i think you you certainly need to have somebody um you know on standby whether that is alfred blue or it's armstead and armstead behind the eight ball a little bit, just like Sanders and Philly dealing with the hamstring injury. You don't want these rookie running backs, you know, to be sitting on the sidelines throughout camp and preseason. You want them to be able to get some touches, but there's no question in my mind, if Fournette is healthy, this is a guy that's going to touch the ball a ton. Like he's going to play 90% of the snaps, I think. Um, so I'm willing to take the shot in the third round where we're talking about Gordon in the first, a little bit more risk. I'll take yeah. it in the third. And, and a lot of the stuff with Fournette has been kind of – I know he's had his injury issues, but it's been off the field too. His attitude has sucked at times, and, and that's what – you know they suspended him for a game because of basically a bad attitude. And now that you've got Nick Foles there, you actually have someone on this team who might be a leader. And they, they haven't had that at any point from anybody. You have a lot of discourse in this locker room last year. You bring in a guy that's like the kind of the clean, you know, clean, clean cut – guy off the field and and he's got a Super Bowl championship he brings this uh, an aura around him that they haven't had in this locker room for a long time I think it actually will will elevate everybody no matter what his play on the field is it'll just be a better scenario because they have a guy they can look up to for the first time in most of these guys career so um, I, I think there's a chance there I, I actually uh, I, I'm basically avoiding all guys um, on this team except for bottom of the round like complete or bottom of the draft complete dart throws like Keelan Cole um you know that oh, kind we're of stuff. Get I, to the wide receivers yeah I I you know I I'm not a huge fan of Fournette to begin with um I they I definitely felt like they overdrafted him um using a first round pick on him but at the same time um there isn't anybody else there Ar Armstead watching Ar Armstead run he reminds me a lot this is kind of funny he reminds me a lot of Lamar Miller like he's straight line fast but he's not overly agile side to side and and so no but he bring uh, that difference is as i was saying at least from what i've seen that dude just he will bring the hand he like uh, you want to oh he's a hammer of a running back like he's the death like his nickname should be the hammer yeah. yeah and that's fair but he's also playing i mean he's at temple so you're talking he's, he's running over guys that are not nfl size so right but um, you can still see the power behind him Sure. There's, I mean, there's, there's a mentality that comes with that too. I mean, I, I feel like watching Damian Williams on the chiefs run is the same way. Like he would run through guys instead of around them. And, and that's, you know, that looks to be like what our arm says mentality is. And there's a lot to be said for that. I, but I agree though. It, so, it sucks that he's hurt because he's not getting reps when he is he free be a lot. He is free and he'll be, yeah, he'll fall down. He'll probably go undrafted and Armstead? 12 team leagues. Yeah. Yeah. He was already in the 14th round before this. Yeah, so, exactly. by the way, could not find a single injury no, news from high school. Um, yeah, there's a bad. lot of talk about his high school performances, but nothing about an injury, <laughs> which I assume like if he missed significant time in high school, it would be here somewhere, but it is. But I also did find out though, 
He has a brother whose name is Leonard Fournette. <laughs> what? I'm not kidding. It's L-A-N-A-R-D, Joseph Fournette. Graduated okay. with honors. The younger brother of Leonard Fournette. They got to call him Joe. And his like... sisters are Lenata and Latte. Somebody does not have a wide option of uh, creativity <laughs> when it comes to naming their children. I could probably guess his mom's name is Lisa and his dad's <laughs> name's Larry. No, you need like a lot of layer in there. You need something like okay. that. Layla. There you go. Layla yeah. Fournette. Yeah, my bad on Fournette. I I really didn't mean to say hi. Trying to put anyways, that evil so. on him. No, I know. It's yeah. just, it was talking like uh, I wasn't. Yeah, yeah, I was just kind of curious yeah, yeah, once you said it because that would be interesting. But yes, he dealt with. He actually also dealt with pedal foot in college, which who the heck knows what that is. Oh, <laughs> but anyway, sucks. let's talk about the wide receivers because you brought him up, Brad. I've said this before, and I think from the sound of it, you're going to agree with me, is that there's not going to be a single wide receiver on the Jaguars that eclipses 800 yards receiving because. Marquise Lee was finally starting to look like he was taking that step forward and learning at the time. And this comes with a lot of players is, you know, you try to use the athleticism you got away with in college and then you're not, you're not running routes efficiently. You're not snapping them off properly. You're not executing. And Lee was still trying to use that athleticism from college. You're like, Oh, I beat everybody with my athleticism. And it took him some time to learn and develop. And he finally did. And he was starting to come through, but now he, has missed a significant amount of time. Is coming back from a major injury, and there's questions of if he's going to be 100% by week one. You mentioned Keelan Cole. D.D. Westbrook, who I've gone on record as saying is, I like D.D. Westbrook a lot. I just think he's a number two, not a number one when it comes to the NFL standards. D.J. Chark is a bigger option. It could be the red zone option, but he still needs work. He's only going into his second year. Like There's just a litany of options. And then, uh, you still have um, Chris Connolly coming over from your Chiefs, are, are you drafting any if you're out on it? Like a 14th rounder, are you going to throw the dice roll on one of them, Brad? I mean, literally the only only guy on this entire team that I have drafted in, in almost 40 best balls now is Keelan Cole in the last round, in the 20th round of a, a best ball 10. So that's the only guy. And that was a team that I went very running back heavy at the beginning. And I was just kind of taking flyers at the end. Um, I, I don't like any of them, but I, it's kind of funny. Like I have no problem taking Nick Foles at the end of a draft also, especially in a best ball, because he's, I think he's going to have some games that where he kind of blows up. I just have no idea who the receivers well, are going to be. Well, you know what you're doing in that him. case, right? You should know by now. We've done it twice already. You should know what you're doing. You know what you're doing, right? I'm setting up making a list, no. right? Uh, oh. yeah, I knew by the first word you didn't know what it was. Chris, what is he doing? <laughs> I don't know what he's doing. Oh, my God. I'm going to punch you in the face, Chris. Set himself up for a mistake. No. I think he's buying he's the cake and not the icing. Uh, yeah, yeah. We, we did go over this, Brad. We yes. did go over this. Yeah, Come on. You're, you're buying the cake. Now, now the you, you, next time we set you up for this and buying the cake and not the icing, now you need to know that. You need to get right, on page. I just put the post-it note on my computer screen, Thank so I'm you. good. Buy the cake, not the icing when you don't know. Similar to Josh Allen. You buy the cake, not the icing. So anyway, so I find that interesting because I've been taking some DJ Chark and some Chris Conley's a little bit even earlier than that. I'm, I'm out on D.D. Westbrook for his price, and that's also because – and maybe I'm wrong on this, but that's also because of my opinion of him being only a number two, and people are drafting him a lot higher than what I think he can potentially do, especially if I already said I don't think anybody eclipses 800 yards. Yeah, I'm with you, Jake. I like D.D. Westbrook. I think he's I think he's a crisp route runner. I think he's got decent hands, got some speed. And I do think he's going to lead this team in targets. Like, he's going to be Nick Foles' number one option if it's not Josh Oliver, to be honest. I didn't joke about that, but Nick Foles loves his tight ends. Just play to his strengths. And I just don't want to take that shot either. In the ninth round, I'd rather MBS, Sutton. Heck, make, we just talked about Kiki QT. 
DK Metcalf, I'm not huge on, but I mean, he's going to probably have a bigger role uh, maybe than Westbrook. But all of these guys are going to be dart throws. Like, I feel like every single one of these wide receivers, apart from DD, because he'll be drafted, we'll be talking about them in week one, week two, week three. Like, these well, are guys we're going to talk about on Monday as, and, as waiver wire pickups. And you too, Brad. On the board. Forget the cost. Just They're both there on the board at the same time. Uh, we'll call them the best two options on the board. You can throw out other names that might. But j just for these two together, doesn't matter the round. Just which would you take, Chris? Corey Davis or D.D. Westbrook? I would take Corey Davis. Brad? Mm, I'd probably take D.D. Westbrook. See? All right, so let's talk about this. Chris, you said Corey Davis. This is, I would call it not necessarily his make-or-break year, but we're getting close. We're getting yeah. close to it, and we're getting close to it. It's the, definitely Mariota's make-or-break year. Yeah, like LaFleur's gone, so we have a newish offense. Corey Davis has all the talent in the world. He was, you know, consensus number one. You know, there was discussion for some people saying Mike Williams, but he was at least consensus overall majority rules, number one wide receiver in that draft. Has tons of talent, but they also draft A.J. Brown. They also bring in Adam Humphreys. They also have Delaney Walker coming back. Uh, where are you? Because we'll get to the running back because I feel like that'll be quick. But where are you in this passing game? Because it still all comes down to maybe you don't want to buy this one because it's not even cake. It's like a hot dog with icing on it. Yeah. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> exactly. Um, That's why I said yeah, it. Marcus that is, Mariotti, yeah. It's a hot dog with icing. Yeah, it's nasty. Well, Ryan Tannehill is definitely going to get in there and throw some footballs around. Only because Marcus Mariota is going to get hurt. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's going to happen, and it's going to be an upgrade for Corey Davis compared to Blink Gabbert. I think it helps bringing in all these weapons. I, watching Tennessee last year, they were one of the most frustrating teams, and I know everybody just pins it on Marcus Mariota, and he deserves a lot of the blame as well. Like He's very inaccurate, but he didn't have anybody else besides Corey Davis. There was double teams on Corey Davis. He lost his safety blanket at the start of the season in Delaney Walker. Sharp was not catching balls. He also had no feeling in his hand. Yeah, he so, also had no feeling true. in his hand and elbow all the way since high school. Yeah, he but, was trying the Stafford throw it up to Calvin Johnson method. <laughs> Listen, I think bringing in guys like Humphreys, um, drafting Brown, having Delaney Walker, I think it helps. I really do. I, I think it's going to help Corey Davis. I'm not ready to give up on him yet. Man, there's just two years ago we were comparing him to Terrell Owens. Like, I'm not ready to give up on the skill set. I know it has a lot to do with all the different offensive coordinators, all the coaching changes in Mariota, but I'm not. I think the ceiling is much, much higher with Corey Davis than it is D.D. Westbrook. Well, I'll still and, say to this day that's his ceiling. I said at the time his ceiling. What T.O. He gets to it. His ceiling. If a borderline his Hall of Famer. A player. Yeah, his his ceiling is Terrell. Terrell Owens. That, that's his yeah. skill set. So are we going to give up on him? And now he's just a ninth-round pick. Like, I know John T. Filippo, he was with Philly, and he was with Foles. He's going to play to his strengths, those short throws with Didi. But I think there's just more upside with Corey Davis. The ceiling is much higher. Everybody's going to be out on him. I think he could even fall further than that. See, that's time. interesting. And I, Well, one, so twofold, Brad, is to get your take on the entire receiving core, and if you agree with Chris. And then on the flip side, are you seeing the same? Because I feel like you're right, Chris, in your home leagues, but in the – well, I hate calling them experts. The analyst drafts we've been doing so far, it's like Corey Davis is still getting his respect. Like, he's still going around and Robbie Anderson, DJ earlier. Moore, Cooper Cup is like the 25th-ish wide receiver off the board. Oh, wow, that's a little high. Yeah, yeah that's I, that's way more than I would want to pay. I'd definitely take Westbrook in that scenario because I know he's not going that high. Well, that's yeah, that's a cost evaluation. I just meant, like, comparison-wise. Yeah, sure. like, I'm, like, I'm looking at a draft I'm in right now. Robbie Anderson, Allen Robinson, Mike Williams, Corey Davis. That's yeah, what came so, off the board. so again, people, yeah, okay, so the, the the experts are are feeling the same way that I am. I think there's no, I think they're you know, a little bit upside. higher. Is what I'm saying, because behind yeah. them, 
Now you got to go behind them. Jarvis Landry, Marvis Jones, Sterling Shepard, D.D. Westbrook, Cortland Sutton, Curtis Samuel, Kiki Q.T., Fitzgerald, Geronimo Allison, Golden Tate, James. So he's that's what I'm saying. He's almost top 25-ish. And I would, yeah, I would almost have all those guys you just mentioned ahead of Corey Davis. See, I, I almost I all of them. Go ahead, go ahead. Why? No, well, I, I just there are guys that I like better. I, I feel like he, he hasn't shown this great connection with Mariota yet. He hasn't shown the, the ability to separate. I mean, he's, I think he's a, a, a usable fantasy player, but I don't want him as my wide receiver two or, or you know, high end wide receiver three. I think he's a, a, a flex play slash you know, bi-week replacement at best if, if I'm putting together a team that I like. And maybe he turns into more than that. I, the upside's there. There's no question about that. I just don't know what I'm going to get week to week. And, and whereas Westbrook, I think, is just going to be a little more consistent on a week-to-week basis. And I would, as, as a wide receiver three or four, I would rather have a, a guy in there who's a, a consistent guy because I'm chasing my my upside with the, the higher guys. Like, I you know, I understand um, when I'm taking – a receiver in the first, second round, there's going to be the occasional week they don't do anything, but they're going to have monster blast weeks. And on the weeks that they don't do anything, that's when I want, I need a guy as my wide receiver three that's like a, a you know, five catch, 70 yard guy almost every week. So yeah, that's, I think it comes down to roster construction because so far for me, you know, Corey Davis would be a wide receiver three. And I, I would 10 times out of 10 for me, and this is how I build, I would... I always take Corey Davis and D.D. Westbrook as my wide receiver three. I want D.D. Westbrook as my four. That's where that's where I'm with you. I'm more of the – I want that safe, like, you know what, if he if he's who I think he is and doesn't have the ceiling of breaking out to a top 20 wide receiver, I have that as my wide receiver four flex option every single week. And maybe if this guy busts, he steps into my wide receiver three, and I'm fine. Like, the Sterling Shepherds, the like, just D.D. Westbrook's of the world, They're like, even Fitzgerald or Golden Tates, or, like, all those. Like, those who I want as my four – where I'm going to chase the upside with the three because you, one, have to pay a little bit more of a price. But if Corey Davis breaks through on that talent, if Marcus Mariota, he likes to be like, we were joking, and all, it's still true. Marcus Mariota has definitely not shown the ability to be a true starting NFL quarterback. But let's go back two seasons and remember that there was a time where he was on that path and looking pretty good. And you mentioned it, Brad, that he was playing with a basically numb ham for part of the season. If I have, if I start my draft and I have a, T.Y. Hilton, Stefan Diggs type of combination, every single time I can, I would take Corey Davis as my number three. Yeah, me too. I'd love him as my three in that situation. And, See, and I get think him that's as your three it's in that roster situation. makeup. And that wasn't to say you're yeah. wrong, Brad. That's just, I just, it all comes down to roster makeup. And I think that we always need to put that in the context for everybody. Sure. And if you do go running back heavy at the beginning of the draft, he's a guy who you can chase some upside with later as a receiver. That, that could, I mean, he definitely could be a wide receiver one or, or at least a wide receiver two as a ceiling. But he also, like, uh, with, with his current quarterback situation, th- while that's in the range of outcomes, I think it's more likely that he's a wide receiver three to four, you know, at the end of the year. Yeah, I think that's why, J- Jake, you nailed it, you know, with roster construction. Like, if you start your draft with a couple wide receivers and you can afford to take a shot on Corey Davis as your three to be an upside as your one, I think if you start your draft with a couple backs and you're drafting Corey Davis as your like, a wide receiver too, you could put yourself in a tough situation. But for Corey Davis, like, he has that – I mean, looking at the game log, yeah, there's some disappointing games from him for sure. I mean, he had that breakout game against the Pats in, in the playoffs. He had the two touchdowns. That was his upside flirt with 100 yards, 161-yard game, a 124, a 96. Like, I don't feel like there's a lot of 100-yard games in D.D. Westbrook's game, his makeup. But out of both of these teams, I think we can all agree on this, they both want to run the football. 
and they're not going to score. Let's a ton talk of points. about. Let's close out with that. Let's let's finish up because we're not gonna, we're going to have to say for Monday why Brad hates LeBron. We still we're not going to even have time for that. <laughs> uh, but let's talk about the running backs real quick because we saw the difference once Derrick Henry was giving the ball twenty times, twenty times, twenty times. Like the end stretch run. I mean, one people leagues. There was no like for top five running back for the last few weeks of the season. Actually, depending on when you start that final stretch run, you can make a point and say, oh, Derrick Henry is number two running back. So. But let's let's backtrack even a little bit. Let's go back to February, where new when we talked about new offense. Arthur Smith, offensive coordinator this year, said, "quote He will be a big part of the offense." Then in March, we get Mike Vrabel saying he wants to build the offense around Derrick Henry. Then we have recently July 16th that of the official Titans website again, Arthur Smith is doubling down, saying he plans to ride quote unquote Derrick Henry in his contract season. So, all this being said. Is Derrick Henry the best value at running back right now, Chris? Because no matter what we're hearing, people are still not drafting Derrick Henry even close to being an RB1. Yeah, I think he is. And I think we can just count on that volume. I, I feel like Tennessee learned their lesson. This time last season, Vrabel, obviously, first time head coach with, with the Titans, he was on record to say some games Henry will have 15, 20 carries. And other games, it'll be Deion Lewis who touches the ball about 15 times. And we saw that in the first few weeks of the season. Yep. Henry did not touch the field at all when this team was down in games. The game script, if they were up, they used Henry. And they just weren't up often early in the season. And they used a whole lot of Deion Lewis. I don't know what took them so long to turn the page. Like, every time Henry came on the field, they just showed their hands. We talked about Gus Bradley. We talked about him in – Baltimore's offense they showed their hands when he was on the field they knew he wasn't going to catch the ball the same thing with Henry when he was on the field they just stacked the box all they had to deal with Corey Davis there was no other weapons around all of a sudden again I talk about all these other weapons in the wide receiver core I think this helps the offense grow I like Henry I think he's safe he's going to have some disappointing games sure but I think he's a lock to touch the ball 15 times a game I think they need to give him the ball 15 touch a game 15 times a game and wear out defenses we saw that towards the end of last season in the third quarter fourth quarter like he was wearing down defenses so I'm, I'm a Henry fan I think he's I think he's a decent pick in the third end of end of the third early fourth like you said people are just kind of bypassing him I I'd like him and I and I don't mind Deion Lewis either I think he's going to be a part I of, think the, Deion Lewis is well. one of the best handcuffs yeah because if anything happens it's his backfield and we've seen it right. before yeah it's all his touches yeah but that's a pure that's a depth build handcuff that's one of the ones where you take somebody else's handcuff in my opinion what about you Brad yeah. I so I <laughs> I'm the opposite on Henry, and it's not that he's not good enough. I mean, he's a, I mean, what defensive backer or even smaller linebacker wants to see that guy running at you? Um, that being said, I, I I just don't buy into the fact that they're going to be a better team this year overall. I I feel like they won nine games last year, and I honestly don't know how they did it. But I look at their schedule this year. I actually got into a Twitter discussion with some guys about this. I. I've got them at six wins on the season, just looking at their schedule. And with that being the case, I don't see a lot of game scripts where Derrick Henry is going to be a, a guy that can just pummel. Like they, I think they're going to be chasing the Colts. I think they're going to be chasing the Chiefs, the Browns, you know, the, the Texans, at least when they play in Houston, they play the Saints, they play the Chargers, they play the Falcons. They got all these high scoring offenses that they're playing against. You you're not going to be able to control the game with Derrick Henry in a in a game where you're you know you're potentially trailing by two touchdowns in the second quarter. It is a good point. Their schedule is tough. Um, USA Today had Houston as a six win team. We talked about that on Monday, Jake. 
uh, and the Titans as a nine-win team. But yeah, looking at their schedule, I mean, you do make some you do make some pretty good points, like games against Atlanta, game against the Chargers. There's some games in there, like the Chiefs you mentioned, Indy twice, obviously, and then the Saints. So there's going to be some shootouts. But I think they want to establish the run, and I, I think they were afraid to do that last year. And I feel like they'll they'll start most games trying to at least just feed Henry, whether that works. Yeah, or not. and I, I, I mean, at the beginning of a game, I totally see that as like a game plan when you go into it. But all it takes is, a, you know, you stop him a couple times and then you, you get one third down stop. And at that point, you flip the game. Well, then they're relying on their defense, which wasn't wasn't that great last year. They're they're OK. And with that being the case, they're they're playing all these teams with legit offenses and elite offenses, especially even in their own division. But they've got a tough out of division schedule this year, too. And I, I just see them being down, you know, 14 to three early in games. And they're like, shoot, we can't just keep running the ball right now because if we have to punt one more time, we could be down three touchdowns. No, so I think their defense is actually good. I don't know, Jake, you want to touch on their defense, but I think it's decent. No. Like, I think that's why they made the playoffs a couple years ago. And I think that's why they won nine, ga- nine, nine games last year. No, you don't want to. It's fine. But I think their defense. No, yeah. No, I don't want to. No, I'm not. But no, I'm, I'm not disagreeing with you either about their defense being a sell. But also because kind of like at the wrap up of the show, that's all that's why. But I'm on I'm on Derek Henry of the split the difference of the show. I'm on Derek Henry in the third round. I, I do think that they learned their lesson from last year well, again but we we don't know for sure because we have a whole new offensive coordinator so maybe that happens with brad but this is one of the like look we might get to the middle of the preseason and it's derrick henry is a supreme value in the third round and haha they're now passing to him and you know he's not going to be you know, levy on bell or anything but maybe he gets 30 receptions in the year and all of a sudden he's an enormous value or to brad's point Maybe he doesn't ever see the field when they're down, and this defense and the, the schedule is so tough that he ends up being back to the 50-50s. Now he's a bust as a third-rounder. I feel like I feel like third-rounder is wrong no matter what. One way or another, the third-round value <laughs> is going to be wrong. But what is never wrong, transition to finish the show, is listening to this podcast, listening to the fantasy football podcasts that are going to be coming out and all the network that's on the app, bottom left-hand corner, top right-hand corner. Hey, uh, there's your Southern. I made it almost the whole show, Chris. <laughs> yes. Hand. Hand of the show, top right hand of the website. Uh, more football draft kit coming out. As I mentioned, my guys is out there. If you want to talk about that, maybe put in some comments of your guys. Make sure you're following Chris at Chris Meany, Brad at Brad Ziegler. We're going to have to find out why he hates LeBron on Monday. So we'll be back for that. We hope to see you then. Have a good